TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. Welcome to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I got uh, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore here Ooh. with me. Uh, Phil, you, up in the credits. You, you got you got re-promoted, Derek. Um, again, <laughs> got some things I, to work on. Uh, yeah, yeah. But is it a, like is it like the Cole Stewart promotion where like I came up and then like <laughs> oh, six yeah. hours later I'm back on uh, a, a flight? Well, I can't tell you that because then you know that that would affect your performance today. So okay, um, <laughs> you know we're uh, we're happy to have you here. Um, happy to have both you guys here today. We're going to talk about. Uh, I guess the evolution of baseball would be the best way to put it. Um, you know, Phil, you had brought up uh, earlier in the week about uh, a thing that Jason Stark wrote uh, with no hitters declining in baseball. Yeah. Um, I would like to talk about, you know, I, I, th- I think that maybe the, the lack of bunting, the, 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 um, the way that teams have shifted away from doing that, I guess, as opposed to just uh, when guys lay down sack bunts, or not sack bunts, but um, the base hit bunts on a shift. I would like to talk about shifting. And uh, and what that's done, what that hasn't done, and uh, yeah, so uh, gone are the days where like Matt Tolbert is your number two hitter, and you're just looking to get him on, get him over, and get him in, right? Like, yeah, then, I mean, and you still hear it. You still hear announcers say like, you know, a guy gets a leadoff single, he's like, well, you're a leadoff double, like, well, you want to see him slap the ball to the right side of the field here, and you know, the <laughs> yeah. guy like flies out to the warning track in left center, and they're like, well, he's got to be frustrated going back to the dugout that he didn't move the runner. <laughs> and he's, he's probably like, pretty good with his launch angle yeah, on that he's, one, actually. He is he's probably okay. So is is that? I, I want to just I want to go back even because ten years ago that was still. And that's not that long ago. Ten years ago, that was still a very much a prevailing thought in baseball among 20 or 25 teams, which is, all right, we need speed at the top, and then the best power hitter and the best overall hitter are going to be in the middle, but then how do we bridge the gap between speed and Albert Pujols? Um, well, let's just find a guy who can slap the ball around. We want to sw- switch hitting middle infield. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. I was and he the, has to be five foot eight. Yeah, he's got the platoon <laughs> advantage, and and uh, and he can he can slap the ball to the right side when the guy gets on. But like that, and like I mean, even I remember, um, you know, you get guys on first and second with nobody out, and as long as like the three or four hitter wasn't coming up, like you were bunting the guys over. I mean, yeah. it was like automatic. Right. Like, you didn't even need a sign. And, it, you know, so it's we've gotten away from that, um, you know, and, and I, it, it's good. I, I think there's things in the game, you know, when you watch that um, it's fun to see. And it's later in the game. It's fun to see when a team is playing for, like, say, one run that that you are going to try a little bit more strategy. But, um, you know, I like seeing guys try to swing out of their shoes. So what are the I, I want to throw some just like what do you think is strategically acceptable now and what do you think isn't? Or when do you think it's strategically acceptable to bunt in today's game? If you're playing for one run. So if you need you if you want to the best way to increase your chances to score one run. You know, when you got that guy, I, I, I used to know the numbers off the top of my head, but like that. You know, it was like that Derek, you remember Derek Barton with the, um, the like A's. He, was, he was an A's guy. Yeah. And he batted second. And like every time, like I, he had like, he had like double digit sack bunts out of the two hole 
uh, when the when the guy like the the leadoff hitter would hit a double to start the game or whatever, and he would bunt the guy to third. Okay. So you just have a guy in third with one out in like the first inning, and it was like, well, yeah, you increase your chance to score one run, but. You're going to need, like, five. Having a guy on second with nobody else is, like, 1.2 runs, and having a guy on third with one out is, like, 0.7 runs or whatever. See what I just pulled up? Dar- yeah. <laughs> did, you pull up, did you pull up a run expectancy I, chart? Well, I wanted, a long time ago, this I wanted to print one dirty. of these things off and, and just, like, paste it on the dugout wall next to the lineup because it's like, <laughs> you know, stop, like, stop stop doing that. But how yeah. do you, okay, hold on. Before you go, I love how nerdy this show just got in the first five minutes. This is amazing. Before you get into a run expectancy chart, how do you explain to players who've come up and all they know is they just know the way that they've been taught how to play baseball and fans who watch the game and they know batting average and RBIs and they know that for their entire life, it's easier to get a guy home from third than from second on a ground ball or a C, right? Exactly. But in, in the in the first inning, you want to try to score as many runs as possible. And that was kind of the point here. So this is this is what it is. A guy in second, nobody out. You score 1.1 runs uh, in, in that inning on average. That's from 2010 to 2015. They're, they're, these stay basically the same. Yeah, they, they you don't, don't see huge fluctuations. Um, and then a guy on third with one out is .66 runs. So you just cost yourself uh, essentially half a, half a run? run, just under but, a half a run. So you made it You made it less likely you're going to score more runs, right? Like you're, Yes. But more likely that you'll score one run? I, or I, no? I believe so. The way I think about it is like you've increased. Okay, it's a trade-off, right? You wouldn't just make a, a bad decision that's going to cost you in every sense. What, what the sort of thought process was, and I've had fights about this, believe me, and one of your former managers and I got into it a little bit, Glenn. Boy, you it, and Tom Kelly got yeah, into it. Yeah, we got going. He's not that old. We got going about... You increase your percent chance to score that one run. That guy from third is now more likely to score than he was when he was standing out on second base with nobody else. So when you're arguing with, let's call it, uh, Bob Nardenheider, okay? okay? Whatever the manager is that you're talking about. It was Gardy. What was... what? It was Gardy. I want to know more about that conversation. When... when, when well, Sabermetric-based baseball writer is talking to old-school baseball manager, or, in Perk's case, pitcher who understands a lot of these things, and maybe manager who's scoffing at them still, I feel like there's a lot of potential dissonance there. So, I've, I've had those with like he, like Like, he was right in, in his point, which was, don't think you know everything. And he was totally right. Um, but where I thought he was wrong is, like, you're increasing the percent chance, like I said, that that one run scores. But if you have like a thousand outs to play with, and your goal is to score as many runs as you possibly can, the way better strategy is to have guys on first and second with nobody out and hit doubles. And, yeah, yeah. And and no ma- basically no matter who the hitter up is. Now, if you got the pitcher, I get why you'd sack bunt that guy because his likelihood of bringing those runs around ain't very high. But if you've got somebody who's good at putting the ball in play, who's good at driving the ball, and who's fast enough to stay out of a lot of double plays, I thought it was way better to swing away and go for it. And anyway, that's that's kind of the breakdown is you're trading one run for the chance to get many more. So, and I think the easiest way to equate it, and I think maybe the way I've explained it to some people that don't quite, you know, that don't want to look at base out states in a, in a, in a chart like that, um, is it's no different. So that your, your time clock in baseball is outs. Yeah. So you've got 27 outs. Whatever, however you want to break that down, that's that's your that's your clock, and so it's no different than in a football game. If like every time on second down, you're just gonna you're gonna snap the ball and, and kneel, 
and and then let the play clock run out and then run another play. I mean, it's you just chewed too much clock. Yeah, you're just you, you're 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 giving away a, a you know. And so at toward an, the end of a game, yeah, there's a little bit different scenario. If you only need that one run, if it's a tie game or whatever, yeah. I, I mean, if I get a in a in a in a tie game in the ninth inning, if a leadoff guy gets a double, I'm probably going to try to move him to third base and sacrifice an out. See, I remember. Very specifically, I believe it was 2003, and the Oakland A's and the Boston Red Sox were playing in the ALDS. Like the A's had all of these powerhouse 95, 100 win teams, uh, and they got beat in the first round by the Twins in 02. They got beat by the Red Sox in the first round. They got beat by the Yankees, I think, in 01. Uh, that was the Jeter flip in 2001 or mm-hmm. 2000, whatever year that was. And I remember specifically watching one of those games. It was like game five, eighth inning, and uh, and the A's were down by a run. With a runner on second base and nobody out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I think it was runners on first and second maybe. Somebody can cross-check this on baseball reference. And I remember thinking, okay, you've built your whole money ball strategy off of never stealing, never bunting, and just playing for big innings, right? But shouldn't you be mindful that your season ends in less than six outs if you don't get that guy from second base home? So if to, to still be playing for the—I think that's the nuance here in— the modern game and the way that strategy works versus, you know, the small ball tactics that have sort of gone by the wayside, there has to be a time and place for, all right, over the course of 162 games, hitting three run homers and in avoiding outs is the optimal strategy. Yeah, but in the ninth it, inning, when we need a run, is there a different strategy there to is. implement, and right? Because you're try to give yourself the best chance to score one run. Or if you have first guys on first and second, nobody out, you may be able to score two there. But you're definitely decreasing your chances to score more because you you just gave away one of your three outs for the inning. Right. But um, yeah, there and there is and, and and you know I mean even a team nowadays that that absolutely will not sack bunt all year. You know I think like the Rays maybe had like a single digit sack bunts three or four or whatever last year. They're they're gonna do that in 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 a playoff game in that situation if it's win or go home or if it's tie or go home. I mean, you have you have to give yourself the best chance to score what you need. One of the funny things about it is this argument always falls into which is better, but it's like you got to remember there are checkpoints along the way. You just mentioned, and Phil, their season ended in five outs if they didn't get that guy home. It's like right, the goal isn't to take your twenty-seven outs times one sixty-two and score as many runs over that stretch. I mean, that's kind of the big picture goal. You want to score a lot of runs, but. You don't get an award for the most runs scored. You go to the postseason based on your ability to win those games at nine-inning checkpoints. So to Perk's point, if there's a guy on in the ninth and you only need that run, and you're the home team, it's fine to yeah. try to get him around and move him in that you, way because that matters. That you, run yeah, matters. Yeah, you do, you do everything you can just to get what you need. You don't Not, need two runs nope. in that case. In, in, the fir- in the first inning, yeah, you want to hit a three-run homer. You want to try to score three because that— especially nowadays, and that's probably a little bit of, of why the game has shifted away from it, is one run doesn't really win you a game anymore. I mean, you, you know, you see that the, what the Twins have done this year, and they're above 500, they're, they're doing well, but they're winning games 9-5, 10-6, you know, and, and losing games by the same score. They You know, they were up 4 nothing or whatever, and then all of a sudden they lose 9-5. Nine, nine like, Is it fair to say the Twins have maybe made the most extreme jump from where the league was five years ago and where the Twins were compared to now. I mean, I'm just looking through. Um, the Twins are second to last in stolen bases. Like, Byron Buxton basically has all of the Twins. They have five stolen bases so far, and we're almost a month into the season. Uh, the Twins are ninth in home runs and have played fewer games than most teams, so they're probably a top-five home run team. I can't remember in my lifetime 
when the Twins have been power first, don't steal bases, don't play small ball, don't bunt. Well, look at the guys they brought in this year. The right. guys that they signed, the guys that right. they targeted, Nelson Cruz, C.J. Krohn, Jonathan Scope. Uh, none of those guys are going to even attempt a stolen base this year. I mean, I, I, I Scope maybe, and that's kind of stereotyping just because he plays second base, but he's huge. I mean, he's like the yeah. same size as those other two guys. He just happens to play second base. Yeah. He's not a base stealing guy. <laughs> he looks yeah. like a defensive back. Yeah, who'd go and, in the second round? So I mean, that's that's yeah, that's a hundred percent what they're trying to do. They want to hit home runs. They've obliterated the team record for home runs so far, and and the pace they're on. Yeah, you know, and I mean that that one that one game or that one uh, the weekend that the the doubleheader, they hit eleven homers or whatever in 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 two games. Yeah, <laughs> and the Tigers I saw have ten homers all season. Pretty good. And so, like, they, they, yeah, I mean, that that's what works. And, and what is it? 70%? You got to steal 70% of your bases to, to make it worthwhile. And Byron steals them at 90 plus, whatever. So that's fine. And, and yeah, I mean, they, you look around that. I mean, I think maybe Kepler can run a little bit, Polanco can run a little bit, but that's not, yeah, I mean, you know, you want, you want Byron to get on base and, and, and stir, stir things up a little bit. But yeah. You, you, you would rather have guys to get on base and then let's try to hit the ball into the gap or over the fence. Right. I don't want Polanco getting thrown out with Nelson Cruz at the plate. I'm, no, and, I'm fine I mean, to let him you swing. Know, and Eddie Rosario and Polanco both. I mean, Polanco, they, right. they're, they're hitting home runs. Like right. that's, I mean, that's the thing is that everybody hits home runs now. So, you know what, what's, there's no point. You can't try to play for one run until you need that one run. Yeah. Hey, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Cause I know you're a guy, you value on base percentage as do we here. I'm like the twins sort of made a trade this winter where they said, okay, on base is great. That's awesome. But they brought in a bunch of guys with low on base and high power output. Clearly, they're not just trying to win the on base trophy or the slugging trophy. But what did you think about that trade off where they brought in some power bats that maybe don't have the highest OBP in the world? You know, again, I, and I think you could look this up as well. Teams that have the highest on base percentage end up scoring the most runs. End up end up going to the playoffs. But if you can if you can hit like if those guys can rake, I mean, isolated power. Uh, you know, is is something I think that a lot of teams start to look at more now. Where, you know, what a guy may hit two forty, but he's slugging five something. So his, you know, sure. his ISO is going to be over three hundred. Like that guy's super valuable too. There's value in that in the same way there is a guy getting on base at a three seventy or three eighty yeah. clip. You can't have a lineup full of four hundred on base guys or three eighty on base guys. So those guys that don't get on base, are you better off having a, a Matt Tolbert style? 280, 300 on base guy that that slugs 360, or do you want your 300 on base guy to slug over 500? Like, sure, you know, and and I think um, that that's the way they've gone. And and again, that's it's it's that market inefficiency thing. And there's obviously, even though homers are more prevalent now than ever, power hitters, a 30 homer guy isn't what it was five, seven, eight, ten, twelve years ago. There's 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 Parts and, 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 and when you can get those guys at certain positions, that's why a scope has a certain value because sure. he's he's a his his offense is better compared to his peers than some other guys. And um you know, even a crone, like a, you know, he hit thirty homers last year. He's got power. I think first base hitting is is at like its worst as it's ever been. I think last hmm. year might have been the worst hitting season for first baseman as a group in in hmm. since like dead ball times. I mean it's wow. So, you know, even that, you think, oh, yeah, first base, big, slow guy that can just slug, and that's kind of what CJ is. But other teams are, are employing, you know, different strategies at those spots. So, you you, you know, it, and it goes back to, like, even when the Twins were at their best and Maurer was playing catchers, that you're getting such good production. That's how you can have a Nick Punto play third base 
and and be a light hitting third baseman from a typically power position or or a slugging position is so you have a guy at another spot that is picking up that slack per se. Yeah. Uh, you brought up the phrase market inefficiency, which is one of my favorite nerdy baseball phrases. Just to to frame this for the next segment for more more of the casual fan, what is the thing? So if if 15 or 20 years ago, if the thing that every team was overlooking was forget about batting average, let's just get dudes who get on base all the time and avoid outs, and if we can avoid outs the longest, then we're going to score more runs. What do you think are the one or two things that maybe are under the radar right now, if if teams can unlock this or figure this out, then they're going to have an edge. Let's get into that when we come back. It's the Scornock Twin Show, Glenn Perkins on baseball. Welcome back to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Uh, back with Derek Wetmore and Phil Mackey. Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Sorry, yeah. I, we'll get we'll get this straight at some point. Uh, that's uh, that's that's Phil Mackey. Pause and Derek Wetmore. Yeah, it's really. Imp- it I had this written into my contract. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love. I I think the three of us are like just at our core very much nerdy baseball fans, and uh, we we love to dive into numbers. So that may it, what is this episode four now of Glenn Perkins on baseball? That may have been the nerdiest segment so far. Of the Glenn Perkins on baseball era. Yeah, well, and, and when you know, we were talking about what we were going to do on this show, I said, you know, we were talking uh, the other night, and we had uh, throwing out ideas and whatnot, and, and, and you know, it was how baseball's changing and, and these different things. I'm like, Wait, that's a whole show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not yeah. just a segment, like... Well, what is and so, I could nerd out on that stuff that we like that that again like yeah I feel like just, we could top that let's just keep going like <laughs> so who uh, well okay I have, I have like four questions off of that last segment but let's start with this one if if fifteen or twenty years ago if the you know especially if you're a low budget team and you're not just going to be able to you're not going to rise to the top of the standings by spending three hundred million dollars on Bryce Harper four times over if you're the Oakland A's or the Minnesota Twins who have more money to spend than the A's have had. Uh, if you're any of those teams, Kansas City Royals, uh, Cleveland Indians, the Royals decided six years ago, you know what, we're not going to get a rotation of five horses. All right, let's get six dudes in the bullpen who throw 97 miles an hour with movement and just have five-inning starters, right? Uh, the A's 20 years ago said, you know what, let's go find a bunch of veteran and scrap heap type guys who can get on base at a higher clip, who can draw walks and work counts and score more runs that way. Well, all those things are out in the open now. Teams know, oh, flamethrowers in the bullpen. Guys should get on base. So those are no longer market advantages. What are things in your mind, Glenn, that may still be a little bit under the radar that if if a team or a franchise can just get an edge in this area or unlock this thing could give you something for the next three or five years until everyone finds out? Yeah, the, the short answer and, and the easiest one is uh, keeping players healthy. I think that's what te- most teams are focused on now is ways to – Keep your guys on the field when you lose it. When you lose a guy, not only do you lose his production, you have to pay him. Then you have to bring a guy up that's not going to probably be as good as him. Otherwise, he would have been here in the first place. So then you then you get that guy up. You got to pay him too. So it ends up costing you like in three different ways. And so teams are investing that. I mean, that, you know, it it goes back like you think. Okay, if they could have kept Joe Mauer, if they could have gotten Joe Mauer back a week earlier, or or maybe not gotten hurt, and and he's making a million bucks a paycheck. You you invest some money and and then it's not just him but it's any other guy that's that's getting paid at all really you're gonna make that money back in you know easily tenfold because you're keeping those guys on the field you're a better team when you have your best players on the field if you could figure out ways 
it's a great unknown. I mean that you know I know that that the Twins are doing a lot of research on that. They're going down a lot of different avenues. A bunch of teams are, you, you, and and that's I think that's the main one. And that's not like the the coolest thing. That's not you know yeah we found this this different stat that we're gonna that that we can use. At the same time, we just we kind of just talked about it last last segment was getting guys like like realizing like hey you know even though there's more power now than there's ever been there's certain characteristics of guys that hit for power in certain positions even and and Eddie Rosario and a left fielder that's got 10 home runs so far that isn't typically a, a position where you're going to do that so there's there's still other ways and I think those things kind of like ebb and flow like I wouldn't be surprised with with in the next year or two couple years whatever that bullpens are going to end up having guys that throw slow that you're going to end up getting a in like Trevor Hildenberger throws hard when he goes over the top he'll get up in the 90s but he's a lot of like mid 80s upper 80s like guys get so geared up because everybody throws 95 that at yeah. some point it's going to swing back the other way and a, and a guy's going to be like, wait what the hell this is 85 mile an hour you know <laughs> right. fastball that just ran in on my hands you know, it was it was out of the plate, and it's two feet inside it. You know, balls move more when they're slower, or whatever. So, you know, there's that. There's the spin rate. You know, that that teams. That's that's how we end up with. We've we've talked about him a ton, Blake Parker and and Ryan and Ryan Harper, both of those guys. So there's those are things. I think the one that pretty much every team is trying to figure out right now is keeping guys healthy. Yeah. But all those other ones, like, it, it's going to be popular, and then something else is going to be popular, and sometimes it's. You know, like like when you hire a football coach that you got a defensive guy, now we need an offensive guy, now we need a defensive guy. Like you 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 flop back and forth and, and it's like everybody goes after this one thing and then that dries up and maybe you end up on the other side or or you know, doing something completely different. See, I've kind of looked at it, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm wrong looking at the Rubik's Cube this way, but with strikeouts going through the roof. And we're 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 just gravitating more and more toward the three true outcomes of Adam Dunn, right? Strikeouts and walks and home runs. Like every year, those things have all trended in the same direction. So I'm wondering if the counterpunch isn't guys like Williams Astadio who just always put the ball in play. I mean, like let's use Byron Buxton as an example from point A last year to point B this year. So he struck out in 30% of his plate appearances last year. And his number right now is like 22 or 23%. So if you take that gap in strikeout rate over a full season, he's putting an extra 50 or 60 balls in play. Yeah. And for a guy with speed like that, and I'm not saying 50 or 60 extra hits. I'm just saying 50 or 60 no, at 30, non— at a 30% clip. Right. Or he, what, I mean, he's sure. probably a 340, 350 guy just because of his speed. But so yeah. a strikeout so is an automatic out. Those, yeah. And so 30, he's, yeah, he might have an infield but, singles. Uh, you or know what? And I think I think you're actually getting a little too far down the road on that, that it's maybe not guys that strike out. What guys are doing, what the Twins are doing, what a lot of teams are doing is swinging earlier in the count. Yeah. It's because it's not only—the it, it, strikeouts are up, and it's not only because velocity. Pitchers are nastier, like the sliders, the spin rate, the, the breaking balls. Like You don't want to face those pitches. They're realizing, like, with guys like, hey, you know— don't don't just throw your slider on with two strikes on 0-2 and one two like if throw it's it all the time yeah. it's yeah, freaking it nasty so <laughs> Buxton's a perfect example of that right and 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 that's exactly it so it's it's not necessarily and I love like the Acidio thing like four strikeouts and 130 140 plate appearances or whatever but really what it is is, is let try to get try to let's not get to a point where we can strike out. Let's try to put a ball in play before that. Now you still have to be able to make contact, whatever. But I think that you know is definitely what uh, another one of those things that the Twins have emphasized with the hitting coaches and that is is hey let's not get 
let's not get you can't strike out if you don't get the two strikes. Yep. And and yes, do put the ball in play. That maybe there is a benefit to that as opposed to trying to get to a three two count and potentially striking out or or, yeah. or walking. I mean, Perk hit the big one. For me, it's health. And so let's just move past that because that's probably a whole show on its own. We could get guys on and interview them like, where's the game trending? But like after that, it's how can you react to what other teams are doing? So two things that jump to my mind is like if other teams just start putting Adam Dunn at shortstop, like, well, we just want homers, homers, homers. Okay, now suddenly balls in play are more valuable because like they're not going to be great at fielding. But if you got Javi Baez playing all over the field and like that ground ball is just not going to be as valuable because he'll turn it into an out routinely. The other thing is like rule changes, any little tweak, which is going to be the team that's the best at just hammering down on that and like taking huge advantage. Well, and I, I was thinking about that because um, last night in the in the Yankee Angel game there there was a. Uh, there was a replay, and and it was kind of not, like it was where the guy popped off the base a little bit, and he ends up getting called out on replay. And it's like, you know, like you talk about like the spirit of the rule, right? Like how good teams got. Like as soon as they put in that replay, it was like it seemed like every replay was a, a stolen base at second. Like a guy's trying to yeah. steal, or a guy's trying to, you know, a, a, the bang bang play sliding into a base where it's like, all right, let's slow this down and break it down frame by frame and see if he popped off the base a little bit and the glove was still on. It's like, like, and they got so good. Teams got so good <laughs> yes. at doing that so fast that that's all it became. So you gave your best video guy or best video gal a big raise and said, okay, this is your job now. Get that frame by frame to us ASAP. Yeah, you know, and so teams, yeah, and so you talk about, a, you know, a, a small rule change, whatever it might be, and, you know, like they, they talk about, like, like the shift banning them or limiting them or whatever, like where you have to have guys, they're going to end up, like, you know, if they say, well, you got to have two guys on each side of second base to start the pitch, there's going to be like Joe Madden's going to have Javi Baez like right on that line. Yep. And he's like, as soon as the ball leaves his hand, you need to sprint 30 feet that way. Yep. And like get to like, and you see, so that's it's that's what you'll see is like teams are going to figure out, find those like the inefficiency or find like the little niche yep. in the rule that like they can expose and and explode. Not to make it dark, but the other one is going to be teams that draft and develop good young players. And then force them into signing a below market extension for like nine years. <laughs> well, hey that man, was, how's that was forty the, million? Sound? That was the Indians of the nineties, was and maybe they weren't below market, but they were, you know, identifying Get those, those guys, guys and, and signing them. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely still prevalent. And I mean, that's that's how teams, you know, no matter how much money you have, you can. Try to find a way to pay a guy less. Yeah, try to get your Jose Ramirez deal done before the next CBA. Yeah, because <laughs> then you're going to be good. You know, I think one of my favorite, just biggest differences in baseball the last go back a hundred years, when because I remember as a kid, my dad who was born in 1942, and so he grew up watching baseball, the, the, the Bob Feller era where they didn't have they didn't have the uh, radar guns, so they literally had a car drive a hundred miles an hour and then like timed up Bob Feller's it fastball. Was, it was and, a, it was a police officer on a motorcycle yeah. <laughs> and he drove through a, like Bob Feller was throwing in like they had like a, a two by four frame with like paper over it yeah and two of them and the Bob Feller threw the ball and then and then the police officer dude like drove through it like <laughs> well, this big, the, the, the like crazy a flaming leg ring at a circuit at the circus why did pitchers back in the day well quick side tangent why did pitchers back in the day kick their legs straight up in the air you ever see like the photos where like like, like Lefty Grove and his his leg is straight up in the air yeah, and like over up? his head. <laughs> you ever try that? 
<laughs> I, I would be in a wheelchair with a torn hamstring <laughs> yeah. if I did that. But like I remember as a kid hearing about the great pitchers of you know the Cy Youngs and the big train Walter Johnson, and then when you go back and look at baseball in that era. And and you look so Walter Johnson led the major leagues in strikeout rate. He led the league in strikeouts about twelve different times. So he was the strikeout king of a hundred years ago. And his strikeout rate for his career is like a Nick Blackburn, Jason Marquis. It's yeah, like a five strikeouts per nine. Yeah. yeah. And so big strikeout pitchers were getting, and they'd pitch complete games, and they'd get like five strikeouts in a game, and that's the big train. Well, then he, I mean, he, I'm sure he did it too. They probably got like 15 inning games that he pitched and struck out three guys. And yeah. like, need a better put away pitch. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. He, they weren't shifting back then either. So, but people want to talk about pace of play and time of game. They, like, well, how do, man, how do we? We got to get batters to stay in the box and we've got to cut 10 seconds off a commercial break. It's like, no, if you look at baseball 50 or 100 years ago, there were only maybe 100 pitches max on each side. We're probably talking 50 to 100 fewer pitches in a game back in the day. Yeah, guys, 20 seconds a pitch, yeah, guys, 20, two seconds a pitch or whatever it is. Right. Is the guys average, were yeah. swinging and nobody was working counts to three and two back in 1920. It was all right, there's the windup, and here's the pitch, and here's the crack of the bat, and like just cycle them through. And now it's, all right, going to get out of the box, going to take seven pitches, fall off another nine, adjust my batting gloves, take a nap. Can we, we can we get you like this summer, you know, like there's the, the, the reenactment stuff, like where you see like the all the old guys like <laughs> yes. go reenact like a base. Can we get you out in like a Cub Foods parking lot like, play by play where they do these things and you do the play by play? Come now, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Now the boys are going to throw the ball around the yard today. Yeah, it's Glenn Perkins <laughs> on the mound. Six wins and four losses on the season. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I, I think... I think at some point we're going to see another drastic evolution, but baseball and the NBA are very much on the same plane of the game looks so unrecognizably different from five years ago. And a lot of people think from an entertainment standpoint, well, the NBA is boring. It's threes and dunks, threes and dunks, and baseball is home runs and strikeouts. And I can hear that aspect, too. I mean, like Jason Stark, we brought up earlier. Uh, fully understands the strategy and the analytics, but also thinks it's just more fun when there's like diving catches and ground balls and like plays being made. So. There, well, there still are those things, are there not? I, I mean, mean, sort of. <laughs> like guys just don't catch baseballs anymore, or is it all strikeouts? Uh, it's it's a, trending that way, Glenn. It, it is trending. It's that mostly way. strikeouts. You know, it, it, speaking of, I, like I was fascinated uh, with with Verlander and uh, as they were talking about his career, that he's just under a strikeout. Per, not, per, yeah. per inning. Yeah. And I, I it, it caught me off guard. Now, I know that, like, if he would have started his career, like, three years ago, mm-hmm. he'd be a 12 strikeout per nine guy. Like, when he was in he's his... He's got the stuff. He's still really stinking good. Yeah. When he was in his prime prime, like, the, you know, he won an MVP, he won mm-hmm. multiple Cy Youngs, uh, he would have struck out 12 or 13 guys per... Like, he would have done kind of like what Sale is doing now, like, right. where he's striking out, you know... 11 guys per nine. I, I I thought that was interesting that he was just under a strikeout an inning. Like, I thought for sure he was going to be like a 10 per nine guy. Sure. The thing that's always fascinated me about Verlander is he's like the classic example of letting off the gas early. And he's like, all right, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a two nothing ball game, but like we're still within striking distance. Here's, here's 95. Here's my fastball in the fourth inning. And then it's like, all right, we're up one in the eighth, and I've thrown 110 pitches. Here's 97 yeah. on your hands. Yeah, he does He does have that. And uh, 
Ugh. I just I look. I mean, we're the same age. We got drafted the same year, and I just like I can't imagine like he's out there throwing like 95, 96 miles an hour for a hundred pitches. Like, incredible. He's a you know he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a freak. And, yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it just it it definitely caught me off guard that that he. Um, Hasn't struck out as many guys, I guess, as I thought he would have. Yeah, you know what's he, so he's also kind of the intersection here where we're talking about like short, starters in general going shorter, shorter yeah. starts, more bullpen because everybody's throwing gas. And I think the when you talk about market inefficiencies earlier, Phil, it's this person is going to continue to exist. The starting pitcher, the dominant ace, will still be there. The Clayton Kershaw in his prime is still going to be throwing 220, 240 innings if he stays healthy over a full season. And the, I mean, not to pick on him, like Jake Odorizzi, for example, is probably not going to throw 240 innings or his equivalent 10 years from now will just have shorter stints. But that starting pitcher, that horse, that dominant ace, I think is going to persist. It, it, it's weird seeing a guy pitch that deep into the game. You're just you're <laughs> no. used to like, guy, oh, he's five and a third, and he's at 94 right. pitches. You're like, well, <laughs> hopefully he can get through this fifth <laughs> inning or sixth <laughs> inning. Hopefully he can get the lefty out. And crowd. then it's like, then you know, Verlander's running out there in the eighth inning, and he's got he's got 84 pitches. You're like, wait, what is going on <laughs> yeah. here? Like, uh, it, it, it's you don't see it. No, we don't usually take calls on uh, Glenn Perkins on baseball, but we do have a caller on line one here. Uh, Randy in Cottage Grove, oh. you're on the Score North Twin Show. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was curious if you guys uh, trying to put the kind of finishing touches here on my final mark, and uh, I, looking at, uh, I think we really have a position in need. I think underrated is the tight end position, and unlike a lot of people, yeah, Randy, uh, uh, Randy, this is the Score North Twins Show. This is this is Glenn Perkins, former All Star closer on baseball. This is a, it's not the sports radio station because that's because this is draft day and, and this is what we should be talking about today on draft day. Well, so we were we were just thinking the Twins just came off a road trip and they went four and two. They got an off day and and then a series this weekend against the Orioles and kind of just seeing like is this a, is this a time that a, a team that's struggling that they can really take the next step and and lead this team uh, you know toward a division title. So you thought uh, who, who am I speaking to? Uh, this is Glenn Perkins. This is uh, Glenn Perkins on baseball. Okay. Uh, on score north. I'm not, I'm not familiar, but my my question to you, I guess, uh, would be: Do you find that uh, to be more intriguing than late round value tight ends? Because, in my opinion, the latter question is going to get a lot more play in this town today. Okay, and and, and I'm ready to hmm. I'm ready to go for it. I'm ready to mock. If you guys are ready, I could I could do the full full seven now. Or if you're going to so the, are they are they taking a tight end in the the first with their first pick? No, we better not. That that would be too high, if you ask me. I mean, the bottom line is there's a lot of ins and a lot of outs to to football, um, um, uh, Gary. And the the reality is, you you have the ability to uh, you know go different directions, as they say. And uh, when I mock, a lot of people when we mock, we try to we don't try to think like Spielman. We try to think like mm-hmm. we think Spielman might want to think. So are you the guy I, that picked the Vi- that that got the Vikings first pick last year, right? Oh, oh, is that who I am? Oh, I guess it is. Yeah, I guess I did peg that. Maybe, uh, maybe everybody would like to have a little, a who, little listen. Who was that guy? Uh, Mike Hughes. Oh, he got hurt, right? He ended up getting hurt. Well, yeah, it's a, f- a fluke, a fluke injury. Okay, I can tell. Is this that no, that. no? Is that so? He was. He's a defensive back or a safety. I'm a I'm a baseball guy, Randy. I I this is Glenn Perkins no, on baseball. He, he isn't. He's, but, he's a hell. He's a hell of a cornerback. Is what 
I dabble in the Vikes a little bit. Right, so would they have to maybe draft a guy to replace him since no. he's hurt this year or no? I can tell you right now, if we draft a corner in the first round, I'll run around nude downtown. Oh, it wow. ain't going to happen. I don't think it anybody wants that. It, it ain't going to happen. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll let you guys talk about baseball. I'll call back when you're not doing this with my full Vikings mock, and it's going to be ready to go. Hmm. And no thanks to you guys because you didn't provide any extra information. You can go talk about little little bats and the and the balls and the, the you know the bat flips and the people want to be a baby about that sport. I'm a real guy. We ride or die NFL. I guess that's not how I thought my first on-air like live call-in. Was we should screen go, the calls. But <laughs> Honestly, if we're being honest about it, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think Derek, you might be getting uh, promoted up ahead of Phil again. Not uh, sure how we let that guy through, I just, Phil. Uh, just threw a guy in hole. I wasn't sure. I apologize. Wow. It's scoring on the Twins show. It's Clint Perkins on baseball. Welcome back to the Score North Twins show. This copyrighted show is presented by authority of the office of Score North. It may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form, and the accounts and descriptions of this show may not be disseminated without express written consent of Score North. Yeah. Gearing up for your uh, little TV debut here. You're not going to read that, though, because you're going to be on pregame and postgame stuff in yeah, a couple weeks, right? Yeah, no, yep. I, I was in this week and kind of did a run-through and saw oh, the studios. Really? and uh, Did you do like a Sat full... down for the pre-meeting and all. Yeah, did all that stuff. So I'm going to start getting on some conference calls and just get a hang of it. It's uh, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> it's 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 all live. So, so, like, and I even told him, like, I can go sit and talk on the radio because I can, like, lean back in a chair and, like, yeah. Drink coffee when I'm not talking, and sure, coffee. But like you, you're on a you're on a on a set and gotta wear a suit, and I'm probably gonna have to get a haircut. And wow, are you, gonna, of, are you gonna go with? Are you going clean shaven, facial hair? What abs, kind of a, no, I, I can't. I, I look like a fat twelve year old if I shave this beard <laughs> off. <laughs> so, are you? Uh, what's your level of? nerves or because it is it is different yeah there's not no it's not nerves it's just i you know what once i do the first one and, and the thing is is like so i went into the studio and that well my first game is at target field so it's gonna be it's completely different so i gotta go do that too and then i'm lucky enough that they're gonna have a double header the next day so day two for me will be uh a long day so um no i'll uh you know just keep watching i've been trying to just take it all in and and just get a feel for what they do and then what I want to do. So, um, you're just, are you just going to get up there and let the takes rip or what? What's going to happen? Are you just going to, yeah, you can't really do that there because, like, it's, you know, just it's, them, it's talk about what's go, coming man. up and then it's talk about what happened in the game. And, you know, hopefully I'll just be able to provide some good insight. Hopefully, like, something cool will happen or like a couple cool things will happen yeah. early on. So it's like a no brainer. Like, oh, yeah, Eddie Rosario hit two homers. Like, we're going to talk about that. Jose Barrios <laughs> threw a shutout. Like, <laughs> Those are the, you know, that it's not like some, you know, 10 to 9 game where it's just a disaster and both sides walk 10 batters and, <laughs> you know, hopefully it'll be, you know, easy things to pick and talk about and uh, pretend that I'm smart. Yeah. Uh, I, have a, I have a couple questions off of, so this, the, the theme of this episode has been baseball is so much different than a few years ago and we've been going through, uh, you know, different aspects of that. 
What is, as a guy who, when you were playing, even just as recently as a couple years ago, you were always a few years ahead in terms of the way that you thought about baseball. Like You were always on the forefront of analytics and, uh, well, we need to do this and improve scouting reports to be more in-depth and this and this. What are the most... Like, I know that you you love all your teammates and you love Guardy and Terry Ryan, but, like, did you ever butt heads with any of those guys on this stuff? Like, did you and Guardy ever get into an argument about analytics or We anything? didn't, no. Um, you know what? And and they, they ended up being, like, more fascinated by it than anything because, it, it, like, d- they didn't ever even take the time to think about it or, like, I mean, I remember the first time I showed Andy, like, Brooks baseball and, like, the overhead graph mm-hmm. of, like, you know, I think it was uh, it was either it was Liriano. It was at the Metronome, and it was Liriano, and he thought that it, it, you know he was he was struggling. He was walking some guys when he came back from Tommy John. Yeah, and uh, you know he's talking about his stride and he's talking about this thing and oh you're tipping this and I like printed off um, hit the release points. So like I did like his fastball release points on one page and his slider on the other and his changeup on the other and then like held them up to a light so you could like see through and like it showed like. Yeah, these ones were, you know, he's, like, releasing balls from, like, A, you know, three different places. And then B, like, you know, you're always going to be, like, an inch here, an inch there. He was, like, one fastball would be, like, you know, at point zero zero on the on the graph. And then the next one is, like, four inches over and three wow. inches down. And then the one after that's, like, over the top of his head. Like, oh, you geez, know, his, a headache. his, like, plot chart was... You know, covered like a like a like a dinner plate, as opposed to like you know maybe the size of your hand. Sure. And and so I showed him that he was like, oh my gosh, like, oh geez, you printed this off the internet, you know. And then it, and then it was, then it was they they were complaining, you know, they they would complain like they like anybody does about balls and strikes, and so I started showing them uh, like on the bus ride back to the hotel or whatever, like like the 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 pitch chart plots on Brooks baseball, and they were you know, they'd pass my phone around and like they'd look at it and. Um, no, they were always, they are, they were always receptive. I, it, we were in Baltimore and they were, we were just starting to like, they were just like figuring out how to like position, uh, like outfielders and that stuff and, and infielders. And we were using, we were using like these, um, basically hit charts. So they, they, they had to, whoever was doing the game would like click on where the ball went on the field and then it would draw a line. And so then over the course of the year, you'd have, like, more and more lines. And so then it was like, okay, we need to play a guy here. We need to play a guy there. And it ended up getting to the point where they had they had too many lines. Sure. And so it was like, oh, this guy hits the ball everywhere. Like, where do we play? And I'm like, well, you're – you're." so they, they started cutting it back. So it was like it went from, like, their last 100 plate appearances to, like, 50 to, like, 10. And I'm like, okay, you're not getting anything. Like That's not predictive. You're, you're not getting anything out of this at all because you're, you're now you only have 10 plate appearances. And so if, if you're – if you're having to cut back the amount of data to make it clear, like you're looking at the wrong data, or you're you're collecting your data wrong, and so I showed them like the heat maps of where guys are, like I think it was on Fangraphs or something has okay. like the basically like heat maps like a pitch like a strike zone, but on the field where guys would hit. So I'm like, look at like you know where it's dark orange. This is where the guy hits the ball. I'm like, you know, the more often you hit a ball, the darker the color gets. So I'm like, that's how we need to play our outfielders. You know, and our infielders or whatever, and mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, he was oh my gosh, that's like that. You know, he, amazing. Like, no, it was never like a. The only time we ever butted heads about any of that stuff was was when they would play no doubles. No doubles drives me nuts. All singles. Yeah, more. It's more like you're. You, you, doubles happen less frequently than singles, so you're gonna try to prevent something that happens less often. While 
simultaneously allowing something to happen more often that happens more yeah. often as it is. Like, no doubles is the <laughs> stupidest concept. I want no homers defense. I want my outfielders to sit on the top of the fence in left, center, and right. Well, it doesn't Just matter when the, when the ball goes. You don't get to defend back there. Seven feet over the wall. <laughs> um, I want no contact. But it was, it was yeah, I'd, let's do no contact. So we'd play no doubles, and then I'm like, a, a ball would bloop in over the short side. I'm like, just let if, if the ball, like Greg Maddox told me, uh, in, when I was on the World Baseball Classic team, if the ball went over the outfielder's head, it was my fault. And so that's what I, that's what I ended up telling them was if if the, if, the, if they hit a ball off the wall or if they hit like that that gapper that get that doesn't get caught, like that's my fault. I made a bad pitch. I'll I'll do. But when I like get a guy to hit a shallow pop up to left field, you know, and at that time we had like Willingham, like not the most fleet of foot guy, so like. You're taking them kind of out of position as it is, and and <laughs> then right. it, you know you got a guy that that you know isn't isn't doesn't move super great out there in, in the first place, and so that that was the the, the one time I the, the, there was a few times that we got in a little bit of an argument with that where I just said, you know they 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 wouldn't call throwovers for me to first base. I if I wanted to throw over, I was gonna I, I told them I said if this guy is if if he, I don't want him to steal, he's not gonna steal. If we have a three run lead, I don't care where he goes. But if we have, if it's a one run game, he's gonna stay at first base, and and so don't call throwovers. Like I sure. want to focus on getting the hitter out. I need to get the hitter out, and and they were fine with that. And, I, and then I said, you know, I don't want no doubles defense. Like I want, I pitch in, I jam guys, I get weak contact. I want those guys in normal spots. So when that, you know, Tory Hunter did that to me. He hit a blooper when he was with the with with late in his career with the Tigers. He hit a blooper over the shortstop's head. And it was it's an out every time, and I end up like the next guy. Victor Martinez like dribbles a ball through the infield or something, and like the guy that the game should have been over, and the guy that was on second, like Tory moved a guy to second base or whatever, like scores, and then I blow a save. Yeah, but I'm you like, did. Yeah, but you didn't allow a double. I know that but, way. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we took we took the double away that didn't happen and, and gave up the single that should have been an out. So it's like that 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 was the only time. But I mean, even that, you know what? You, you talk about it and. He ends up saying, I'm the manager. I'm going to play my guys where I want. And I say, all right, that's fine. Let's yeah, <laughs> but I, it's got to be a shell shock to if you've been in baseball for such a long time and then all of a sudden, like 10 or 12 years ago, this flood of new information comes in. Yeah. And, and it, in your it, mind, it just comes from the internet. And, 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 and it was sure. a flood and it didn't happen. It kind of happened slow because it, like I, like, I started looking at that stuff like 2009 ish, but like it, it went from like still like non-existent ish to maybe like a couple teams were doing it five seven years ago to like I mean obviously now there I don't know if there is teams that aren't gathering copious amounts of data and, and doing all the same things I mean it's it's just how teams are now so it's changed immeasurably over the last couple of years I mean it, it's an it's it, it yeah a flood of of data and how they're yeah. using it and all that so well, I'm sad that we ran out of time for your full Vikings draft analysis on this episode, but maybe we can recap next week. We'll just do a full hour on like the Vikings' fifth, sixth, and seventh round corner cornerback round one, right? Do you have your well, Rule Four a- draft <laughs> mock ready? I, I got my June draft all slated out. <laughs> <laughs> Feel pretty confident this year. Oh, all right. For Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore, I'm Glenn Perkins, and uh, we'll see you next time.